You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. Howdy, y'all. This is Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First and the host of this podcast, Women of Influence. This podcast features conversation with Columbus's leading women in business, in which they talk about how they gained power, how they keep it, and how other women can follow in their footsteps. Today, we're chatting with Jenny Saunders, president of FC Bank. Thanks for joining us, Jenny. Thanks for having me, Eleanor. I'm thrilled to be here. Great. We, I'm excited as well. To start off with, we are uh, basically six months into the pandemic now. How are you handling everything? Are you, have you been in the office the whole time? What sort of adjustments have you had to make? Kind of just tell me about how things are going. Well, I think March 13th, like many people, will be that date that is forever (laughs) embedded in our memory. Uh, We've been back, so I was never completely out of the office. Mm -hmm. On March 13th, I sent my almost my entire team home. Our branch offices were still open, full service at that point, for about another week, week and a half. And then we started to just have our drive-throughs open. Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, we went to a, a team sort of atmosphere that I think a lot of people have probably talked about. And I went from having close to 50 people in my main office where I'm housed to four of us. Oh, wow. So that was a big adjustment. All of our lights are on a motion detector. And I used to kid people that I felt like a Disney princess because as I walked through the building, <laughs> the lights would pop up and I'd be like, oh, okay. So we did that through the middle of May. And then we brought our folks back in phases to ensure that the capacity of the building, and we have people in and out now all the time. It's very flexible uh, so that as people feel comfortable or they need to be home or different things like that, the majority of them have the ability to work from home. And I'm here every day pretty much. Mm -hmm. So we survived that phase. Yeah. And did FC Bank, did y'all do much um, PPP lending? We did. In fact, our division did over 150 applications for about 38 million for a division of our side. That's pretty substantial. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was probably one of the most challenging periods of time in my entire banking career. I've never seen anything like that. There was a 13-day stretch, I think, where we worked straight through. Didn't really see my family much, which was okay. We were taking care of customers, but it was, you know, we were putting applications in in the middle of the night. 
We were, you know, just doing everything we could to help reassure our customers. And we really tried to get out ahead of it because we wanted to provide as much information as we could, knowing that the information could change, which it did (laughs) multiple times. But uh, we really wanted, not just for our customers, but for the community as a whole, be able to just give as much information as we could. People were so anxious back then, if you remember that period of time. And there was a lot of confusion, more, quite frankly, customers than any organization could, you know, capacity-wise be able to handle. So we tried as much as we could to help um, anybody that was out there. If they hadn't heard back from their bank, well, did you apply? What happened? And kind of walk them through them to reassure them through that piece of it as well. You know, now we're on the other side of it, and yeah. it doesn't seem nearly as bad <laughs> as it was yeah. when you were in the middle of it. <laughs> I know, you, well, you, it's crazy to think about, that feels like six years ago, um, but there was that period of time where like, I mean, for us, PPP was, you know, the readership on those stories was huge. People had so many questions, that, and so, you know, obviously for people actually doing it. Uh, I know it was, it was long days and, and a lot. Uh, we on. did a lot of outreach too, a lot of Zoom meetings, Chamber of Commerce, anywhere we could to just, again, try and get as much information out as we could. Mm-hmm. And the same with the forgiveness. Now that's even yeah, more that's, tricky, right? Because <laughs> yeah, what, what role is the bank do you have in the forgiveness process for them? So right now, we're, some of it is a wait and see period, right? Because we're waiting for Congress to finish up the HEALS Act and make some decisions, which doesn't seem to be moving uh, a whole lot right now. But we are starting to take, uh, with the guidance that we've received at this point, uh, submitting some applications back for forgiveness. We've been told the SBA isn't really looking at them yet. They're still trying to get their ducks in a row. But again, just trying to have as much information as we can, letting people know that, you know, here's what the HEALS Act says, maybe it goes, maybe it doesn't. What can we do to help you through? Because people are anxious about this too, right? They're unsure of how the process is going to be. There's some question about whether there'll be total forgive, you know, a streamlined forgiveness, some of that. People are worried about you know, documents they need to provide, et cetera. And we're just really trying to just relieve fears as much as we can. Let people know that we're all in it together. We're here to help them. And uh, as soon as we get more concrete information, we'll give that to them as well. So I think more than ever right now, banks really need to fill that consultative role and, you know, really be there to just answer questions in a great many areas to help people through uh, this financial crisis. It doesn't feel like it's quite such a crisis anymore, right? Wow. But it but it is still, I mean, it's not you know, great. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's not great. It's funny because I see cars go by and, you know, there was a period of time where I didn't see any traffic. Yeah, yeah. By. So you, you get this almost a false sense of, oh, things are kind of returning back to normal. And then you realize, oh, well, no, they're really not. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's what I'm, it's more just the, and and as you're saying, you're dealing with this in the logistics of forgiveness, just the uncertainty, which is such a cliche word, but just knowing what is going to happen next, kind of what are all the long-term ramifications and stuff for our 
hard to think about. <laughs> well, and I, you can see it taking a toll on people, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I see it in our community. I see it in the workforce. Something like schools, mm -hmm. being, you know, are they remote? Are they hybrid? What are they? That's a question every day, depending on your school district, you don't really know. And it's a tough decision. I wouldn't want to be an educator right now yeah. for anything. <laughs> um, but that has a toll on the workforce too, mm -hmm. right? And, and so how do you keep your people, you know, your team going and, and helping them from a, an emotional and, you know, mental aspect as well? It's not just your customers, right? So you're trying to keep all of that going. It's a lot more to keep in mind than it's ever been before. And it's, it's more important than ever. What you mentioned before we started recording you have a son who's 13. What is his schooling situation right now? And so he goes to Worthington. So uh -huh. he's in full uh, remote. Uh, this morning we had a power outage, which is this uh, modern air version of a snow day. <laughs> <laughs> but the power did come back up much to his dismay. <laughs> so I am, um, he struggles with remote. It's not something, he's, um, he's an extrovert, he's very social, and he's very active. And so, you know, when we jumped to remote in the spring, it was really hard for him. And then my husband and I, with our jobs, were just running, running, running. And so we're trying to do much better in the fall of trying to balance work with our jobs and making sure that we're providing the support that he needs while trying to work. And, you know, that experience is helping uh, as we navigate that as a team, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to make sure that everybody can get through that. I mean, through daycare issues or remote learning, there's just a host of things that people have to deal with. And, you know, I think the thing with the pandemic is you leave work and you still got the pandemic when you get home. <laughs> still there, impacting, you know, you can't really ever get away from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what takes its toll a little bit on folks as they try to navigate through it. The stuff we're talking about now is a little bit different than what we were talking about in March or April, but we are still talking about this thing that six, started six months ago or more. So. Well, transitioning off coronavirus a little bit, I want to talk just a little bit more about your background. When did you first get interested in finance? Was that something, you know, as early as high school, you were like, I want to be in banking or, or tell me a little bit about that path for you. No, I wanted to be a lawyer. Oh, okay. So, my dad really wanted me to be the first attorney general of the United <laughs> States which, you know, we let that go to Janet Reno. So <laughs> she did a fabulous job. What happened was, so I have a poli-sci degree, so not your typical banking degree. And I started working part-time as a teller when I was going to Ohio State. I just fell in love with it. And as I continued to work while I was going to school, I started taking on different positions and when I graduated from Ohio State, I ended up working for a little while for a bank before I went into a management trainee program. And then, you know, so when they say uh, bankers who have really worked their way all the way up through different positions, uh, I actually did that. <laughs> so primarily in retail, actually. So I've taken a different path than a lot of traditional community bank presidents. Mm -hmm. I do 
have um, quite a bit of experience in small business banking, which for the size of community banks, it can be that same sort of loan size, but really primarily in retail. So Mm -hmm. that's a different path than most community presidents take. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What was it like working your way up that chain as a woman in an industry that I feel like, you know what, I don't know, you can speak more to your experience, but it certainly has the the reputation of being a little more male dominated. Although we've got like all female bank presidents in central Ohio right now. We do right now. (laughs) You'll find that the retail side of the house has more women in it Mm -hmm. and the commercial Mm -hmm. side of the house has more men. Mm -hmm. And so I think from being a branch manager and doing some of those sorts of things, I was probably following the very traditional path that you would expect a woman to follow Mm -hmm. in banking. Uh, Human resources, customer service, support roles, those tend to be very, uh, at least when I was going through Mm -hmm. the ranks, very female dominated positions. Commercial banking, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, treasury management tends to be more women focused mm-hmm. as well. The key is finding a good mentor who really can help champion you and get you exposed to some of those other areas to really help you get that experience. And it's interesting. I've been working with the Ohio Banker League. Uh, I'm on the board. And one of the things that we've been talking a lot about is, you know, these two paths and they almost have to work parallel to each other, right? So, you know, how do we get more women in commercial banker roles, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's not very many in them. I mean, they're far and few between. And if that's the true traditional route, to become a community bank president, then we've got to get more women in that role. And then the other side of it is, is how can we do what my bank did, which is take someone who maybe didn't follow a traditional path and go ahead and take a chance and, and promote them into that, into that space. So, you know, do we always have to go the traditional community uh, commercial banker role Mm-hmm. To, get, to get to that spot. And so, you know, you almost have to tackle it from both sides to, mm-hmm. to make some change. What do you feel like you bring to the president's role having more of that community banking side experience? Maybe why do you think that's an asset? I think the asset, the, what's really great about community banking, and I think what I bring to the table is really that love for community. And it's not that my other peers don't have that. I think that they really do. But I think what differentiates our bank and and how we're trying to tackle community banking is, so we have our roots in commercial. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you knew that. A lot of community banks start out more traditional consumer or they're viewed as consumer Mm -hmm. I guess more on the front end right and then a lot of community banks then kind of morph over into commercial real estate and then kind of pick up the the CNI piece of it after the fact. FC which um, is a division of CMB we've been a community um, or a commercial bank all along so it's very different here and what I wanted to bring to FC when I came to this position was two things. 
One, we don't have a ginormous footprint here in Columbus. We've got three locations here right in Columbus, a total of seven in central Ohio. We have a boatload of competitors. <laughs> One, you know, I think I could, if I drove to work today, I could probably pass about 15 other banks <laughs> that are out there or credit unions mm -hmm. or LPOs. And so when we first came to the market before I got here, we were really just trying to, to tackle Columbus as a whole. And what I suggested and what has been very successful for us is how about we just take Worthington, first mm -hmm. of all, where we're corporately located, where our headquarters are, and let's make ourselves Worthington's community bank. Let's shrink our world a little bit and really make an impact. So we started that strategy and with that, we weren't really involved in the community at all, which makes no sense when you're a community bank. And so we didn't have people on boards. We weren't really, we hadn't really reached out to the community to see what was important to them. I live in Worthington, so it's near and dear to my heart. And, you know, in every community that we go into, Eleanor, we want to make sure that, that our vision, our beliefs, our values are aligned to the communities that we're in so that we can mm -hmm. make an impact. And if you ensure that happens, then intrinsically, you should organically grow. And mm -hmm. so what we started doing was finding the things that really mattered to people and figuring out, you know, how could we invest in them? So I think our first really big thing that we did was the concerts on the green in Worthington. They were looking for a sponsor. I wasn't certain they would want one because that's very traditional. You know, I went, sir, if they wanted somebody's name attached to it. Mm -hmm. uh, we work every single one of those when they happen. Uh, we don't push bank product. It's all about just presence. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we give out balloons, frisbees. We hang out with people. Our 10 Fantastic Charity program gets rolled out with that. And so... We, we've tried to find, you know, whether it's arts, whether, um, you know, we're very involved with the Worthington Resource Pantry, Family Mentor Foundation, just arts, things that matter from a social perspective, the school district, um, we're very involved in mentoring with them, we're just really trying to ensure that we're doing everything we can to make sure the community is successful. Mm -hmm. and that's what we've done. Uh, and I think we're doing, it, what I will tell you is that what I hear from everybody is you're everywhere. Mm -hmm. For a bank as small as we are from a footprint perspective, that must mean we're doing something right. <laughs> Do you, is it in the, 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 the plan or the, the vision to expand to communities beyond Worthington? Sort of what is what are you looking at down the road? Yeah, so we just opened uh, our first branch in Grandview on Fifth mm -hmm. Avenue. Uh, that's our first branch of the future. So it's been oh, open yes. since August 10th. Mm -hmm. um, and it's pretty cool space. Uh, I would encourage you to stop by and visit. It doesn't look like a bank branch at all. Mm -hmm. It's very, uh, we wanted to create a space that was more about an experience than about a traditional bank. You won't find desk there. We wanted tables where we could sit side by side next to someone and have a conversation. You know, not be the scary bank that sit across from the desk and, you know, let us tell you whether we're going to approve your loan or not. You know, it's what do you need? How can we build a relationship with you? How can we help you achieve your financial goals? And everybody says that, 
but it's really important to us that people feel that way. You know, I say this all the time, how we do business is as important as doing business. And I think that aside from the community impact includes the relationship building that we do and how we treat our customers, that we want that to be a differentiator for us. So you know, we have a very, very small branch in Dublin, but yeah, we're, we're looking for our next spot. Uh, we're definitely um, expanding uh, in Columbus and the central Ohio area, looking again for those communities that we can, or suburbs that we can really do our community model mm -hmm. where we can you know, be on boards, be involved, do the things that we need to do from an investment standpoint, not just financially, but also from a volunteer perspective. Our team volunteers extensively. Uh, it's been a little different right now with the pandemic, <laughs> but when you come to work for FC, that's what you're signing up for. Mm -hmm. And I really, we try to match up passions so if there's something you're really passionate about, then, then let's find that organization or that cause that's associated with the communities we're in and get you there because mm -hmm. the, the organization's going to benefit much more if the colleague is really interested in it and um, the colleague's going to benefit so much more because they're going to be able to see that their efforts are making a difference. And you know, we do do stuff outside of work hours, but we do a lot of things during work hours as well. Not everybody, you know, if you have small children or you have other obligations, you can't always do it on an evening or a, a weekend. And we don't want to let those folks not have an opportunity to contribute as well. Mm -hmm. I often ask people how many hours a week they're typically working. So what does that look like for you? So my husband would say more than it probably should be. <laughs> I will tell you, it's when we're doing a lot of community involvement and all of that is ramping up, I'm probably working about 50 hours a week. That's not too crazy. It's not too crazy. I try, my, my boss would say I need to not be, uh, to slow down a little bit. <laughs> but it doesn't feel like work to me because a lot of times I'm out in the community, right? I'm I'm hosting this or I'm doing that or I'm being part of, of whatever we have going on. So I really, I really love that, you know, and there are opportunities where I can leave a little bit early or, you know, uh, it, the key is having an awareness of when maybe you're getting ready to hit that wall and, you know, grabbing it before you do. <laughs> and saying, you know what? I'm just going to take this afternoon and, you know, go take a bike ride or take a little time off and, and recharge. Because I don't, I'm not good for anyone if, if I'm, you know, running on low batteries. And that happens to all of us, right? So. Well, and you mentioned going on a bike ride. What sort of things do you do to unwind uh, if you've had a particularly stressful day or week? Well, lately we just got a puppy, so That's I don't great. think the puppy is really unwinding. But yeah, that <laughs> seems like way more <laughs> We are doing a lot of, I like to walk. Um, mm -hmm. We like to take advantage. We have an amazing metro park system here in Columbus. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we definitely like to take advantage of that. Um, I love to read both fiction and nonfiction. Uh, but probably my favorite thing of all is to just spend time with my family. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really the best way for me to recharge. 
Um, I have uh, three grandchildren now. I just, um, oh, wow. my third was just born a couple weeks ago. Now they live in North Carolina, but we FaceTime often. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a stepson who just graduated, who's down in Atlanta. So it, the, the pandemic has caused us to maybe get, not get together as much as we have in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, still finding ways to stay connected. So, mm-hmm. and then I love to travel, which has been a little challenging. Yeah, that definitely is. But um, it's just as fun to plan a trip as it is to go <laughs> on it sometimes. So we're thinking about when this is all over, where do we want to go next? Yeah. I feel like we've got a lot of things on our calendar for next year that I'm like, I hope we can make these things happen. Several re- uh, several are rescheduled weddings from this summer. So <laughs> we have a couple of those ourselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully, yep. friends will be able to get married. Um, well, congratulations on the new grandchild. That's very exciting. Uh, is it a little girl or a little boy? A little boy. So my daughter now has three boys. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> so, but he is a cutie. So I'm anxious to meet him. Of course, now is not a good time to meet yeah. him. And so we're doing a lot of FaceTiming yeah. and um, he's just cute as a button, but mm-hmm. I'm a little biased, so. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a crazy time to be uh, having a, a child. You alluded to earlier in the conversation, talking about your career, that kind of finding a mentor to, to mm-hmm. shepherd you through was really important. Can you talk about how you've developed mentoring relationships, either with mentors of yours or people that you may be mentoring? What What makes those relationships happen and makes them work well? I think the most important thing to do is, is if you're the person looking for a mentor is to own it. When I was uh, looking for mentors, I wanted someone that would make me a little uncomfortable, maybe push me a little outside of my comfort zone. And then I also looked for somebody that was was a safe place, I guess, to be able to bounce all sorts of things for. So I I always looked for two. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I always made sure I owned it, following up, setting the appointments and and really tried to make it a a fairly regular kind of um, activity so that I was getting that feedback fairly consistently and not relying on my mentors who were really busy people (laughs) to try and um, schedule that out. With the folks that I mentor right now, um, that's one of the things I tell them. I'm like, look, sometimes it's, don't think that I'm ignoring you. Please reach out to me if you haven't heard from me for a little bit or you need something to talk to. My calendar is crazy and I won't necessarily, you know, all of a sudden I'll look and I'll be like, oh wait, I haven't talked to this person in a little while, right? Mm-hmm. I really wanted to be personable. Communication's important to me. And so if I find a, a book or, you know, a card that I think they might like that I'll write something in or whatever, I try to send that to folks so that they have it. There, there's several folks within my organization uh, that I stay close to. Um, I'm the first woman president uh, of our corporation. And so it's something, it's initially, I, I didn't really um, understand the significance of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm Jenny and I, you know, I, I'm who I am and I don't necessarily, I, I didn't necessarily 
relate to my gender as the first thing of who I was. But when I took this position, even my first week as I was in orientation, I had numerous people um, across the organization come up to me and just say how cool it was. Um, and in fact, even today, I was talking to a management trainee who brought it up right away and said, you know, you're a woman on the executive team. That means a lot to me. It gives me you know, hope that, you know, we can reach positions like that. And, and when I started hearing that three years ago, I realized that I had more influence and it was a bigger deal than what I had realized, I guess, before. Mm -hmm. And so I try, when I have an opportunity or someone reaches out to me, I always try to be authentic and honest about you know, whatever challenges I had and what's really great about it and the communication that you need to have in some cases, depending on your audience and how you need to have your voice. And I don't always do a great job at it, but, you know, <laughs> I do the best I can. And um, I think it's, it's important, especially uh -huh. to younger women coming up, to be able to uh, see what their path is mm -hmm. and how they can get there. Mm -hmm. Well, that's sort of my, my closing question I often ask, what uh, advice would you want to give to a young woman entering the workforce today? So is there any specific piece of advice that stands out or, or, or more general, just you think people should know? What I said this morning to that management training, we've talked about some of it. One is to always get a mentor, somebody, you know, somebody that, that challenges you, but that you also have a safe place to talk about any topic, right? Doesn't necessarily have to be work related. You know, we have so many things that come at us all the time. I think work-life balance for us is a challenge as a woman and how you, how you do that and, and how you recharge are all really important things. And um, having some, a safe place with somebody that you can talk about those topics without worrying that they're gonna judge you or make a decision or, or anything like that is, is important. I think you should always be learning. I read a lot and I think the more you can learn about who you are and how you can continue to improve as a person, I think is um, really important. And then the last thing I do is I journal. So I, Michael Hyatt has, I do a plug for Michael Hyatt. He has a great journal out there through his company that kind of walks you through everything. You know, there's a little portion about, you know, what, what happened today, but it's what were your biggest wins? What were your lessons? What would you do differently tomorrow? Um, what did you read or hear about today? What did you think about that? How did it influence you? And it really is a great way to kind of decompress at the end of the day and to kind of recenter yourself mm -hmm. and get ready for the next day, uh, whatever it may bring. That's great. I'll have to look that up. Not, I feel like I've never really gotten into journaling, but maybe it's just I don't have enough structure to my attempt. <laughs> well, it takes a little bit of time, but I found that when I do it, it really does make a nice end to the day. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you. I mean, there's all sorts of journals out there. That one just seems to work for me. Well, terrific. I think that we covered a lot of great ground. It was a delight to chat with you. So thank you so much, Jenny. You as well, Emily. Thank you so much. <laughs>